it's the next level. Listen to me. You said you buried your wife. Tell me where. Where are you? Where? In the jungle. By the balloon, in the jungle. How deep? How deep did you dig the grave? I don't. It, it How was... deep? How many shovelfuls of earth? Did you use your hands? How long did it take you? I don't remember. You would remember. You would remember how deep. You would remember every shovelful, every moment. You would remember what it felt like to place her body inside. You would remember if you buried the woman you loved. You would remember if it were true. Did you, did you lose someone? Did you lose someone here on the island? Did you lose someone too? What happened to her? It was an accident. It was an accident. The woman responsible thought she was someone else. Someone coming to hurt her. Someone like you! Welcome everyone into another episode of We Have to Go Back Lost Revisited from the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Podcastica Network, I am Kristen Howell. This week we are covering Season 2, Episode 14, one of them in our series rewatch. And I'm excited to talk about this one because I know I've made no bones about it over the course of uh, all the podcasts we've done so far. We get the introduction of one of my favorite characters. Uh, of this series in this episode and well we get the introduction to a degree so no, i think we get a pretty good idea of who he is <laughs> maybe by the end yeah but we still don't know completely who he is at this point but i digress we'll talk about that more when we're, when we're diving into the uh when we're diving into the podcast and we're breaking the episode down but you know just a couple things real quick uh this is a spoiler full podcast so uh be warned if you're not already that we will talk about things that have already happened over the series as well as things that have yet to happen in the series uh so just be forewarned spoilers are coming especially probably with this podcast with this particular episode um, but I think that's just about it. I know we've kind of scrapped the whole top points, uh, and we just now have a discussion about the episode, which I think has worked out well over the past couple weeks. But, um, what do you say we dive into the episode? Sounds good to me. Uh, I'll let you kick things off. What, um, what's something you wanted to start with when it comes to the discussion of the episode? Um, I actually wanted to talk about it. It's little, but it's something that I noticed uh, this in this week's episode. And that is um, the way that people like to um, manipulate others to oppose Jack. 
Um, I've noticed that this is becoming kind of a trend with a lot of characters. I don't know if it's because Jack is kind of um, a dictator or kind of an authoritarian. He's not really very democratic in his leadership um, skills. And because of that, I've noticed that a lot of people, like last year it was Sawyer and this year it was Saeed, they both manipulate Locke to get Locke to do what they want them to do so that when Jack is opposed, that Jack goes after Locke instead of Sawyer or Saeed. They stay out of the fire. Um, and I think that it kind of furthers their opposition to one of, to each other as the season progresses, um, making it pretty impossible for them to ever work together on anything. What do you think about that? No, I'd agree with that. I think, I think one of the things is that I, I think Jack and Locke have made it very obvious, maybe not to each other, Oh, the, no, I think it's obvious to each other, too. But I think it's it's very obvious to not just to each other, but to everyone on the island that these two are guys that just hate each other. Like, they just do not get along. And right. I, th I think, yeah, I think many people are using their hatred and distrust of each other to their advantage. It's just such a shame. And I only say that because I feel like Locke can be reasoned with at this at this stage in the series, I feel that Locke is somebody who can soften and he can harden very easily. He's not uh, a very rigid person. And when Jack is cleaning up all the blood and gauze from helping Henry, Locke is like, well, how can I help? What can I do? And Jack just looks at him. He's like, shut up. And it's just like, why do you talk to people that way? You know, and I, and I understand that, you know, he's frustrated that he was lied to, but he lied to Locke as well. He was being shady and not telling um, anybody that they were raising an army and that, and that he wanted to keep Locke out of, out of that decision. Um, but he was angry that Locke changed the code without telling him. So a lot of me thinks that Jack, got as angry as he did this episode because he was kept from being in the inner loop on something that was happening and not because there was a guy getting tortured. Um, and I'm kind of combining two of my points here just because that manipulation caused Jack to kind of like go crazy about, about being, um, left out of that situation. I'll, I'll talk about that later because it's it's another one of my points and I don't have many points for this episode so I'm gonna hang on to that. To that. But um, <laughs> yeah, but for my first point, it's mainly just the fact that uh, I, I, I've just noticed this trend in manipulating Locke to get Jack, to leave Jack out of something or to oppose him or to defy him thus making a further rift between Jack and Locke that seems to be coming from even the outs of the, the other survivors on the island. Yeah. No, I mean, I, and I, I definitely see that. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I think a lot of people are starting um, to use their, their distrust for each other towards their advantage uh, mm -hmm. to their own advantage. I mean, and you definitely see it play out this week with Saeed in that, uh, you know, he he's going to get what he wants and he's using their uh, their distrust of each other to get it. Mm -hmm. Well, Sawyer really did it, too. Last last week, big time with the guns and the armory and uh, going to the hatch and then taking that opportunity to take the guns while Jack and Locke were fighting on the beach. Yeah. I, you know, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up, too, because one of the things that I kind of I, I kind of discovered a little bit about this episode was, uh, you know, when it comes to the whole Jack and Locke uh, dynamic of one another 
Sawyer last week with the whole guns and playing everybody against each other to get what he wanted and to kind of step into a leadership role the way he did and become the new sheriff. You know, one thing that was supposed to do was kind of take Locke and Jack down a peg. And I think it worked for Locke, but I don't think it worked for Jack. I think Jack is still, even without the power of the guns and the medicine and everything that was in that room, he's still on a power trip. Mm-hmm. It, it, that taking him down a peg didn't work and mm-hmm. I think that shows the kind of character that Jack really is is that he's mm-hmm. I, I don't really think I, I think he needs to have power no matter what it takes mm-hmm. I, I think he's he's somebody who is so delusional that he thinks he has the power even when he has nothing he just naturally thinks he's a powerful person mm-hmm. yeah, well, it's that God complex that doctors and surgeons have yeah i mean he he thinks now that just because he doesn't have the guns and just because he doesn't have the medicine you know having the combination gives him power well that doesn't give you power if there's nothing in that room but now there's something in that room it's it's not the guns and the and the medicine that gave him power it's that room it's that lock the fact that he had the combination to that lock that's what gave him power He's now temporarily back in a sort of powerful role because he believes he has the combination to a room that there is now something in again. Doesn't matter what's in the room. It's the fact that there's something in it. That's an interesting insight. That's very childish. It is. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, you look at it from a child's perspective. It's not the fact of the toy. It doesn't matter what toy I own. It's the fact that I have a toy you don't. Right. Yeah, you're totally right on this. So I interesting. Mean, and that just goes to show you again, like, I mean, I, I know some people don't like the fact that we're really, you know, putting down Jack a lot recently, but you know, with this rewatch, but it goes to show you it for it further it furthers the point we made last week about the kind of person that he is, at least at this point in the series. Yeah, I mean, look, he can change. He can absolutely, and I'm glad that he does eventually change a little bit. But for right now, I think that he's more of an antagonist than a protagonist. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. I mean, if you look, if you look at Jack versus Locke, and you have to choose one of the two, with everything that's going on right now, I'm behind Locke. I'm Team Locke because Locke still seems to have a level head. Yeah. I would agree with that. But, you know, on the same token, Locke can also be very easily manipulated. And that's not a good thing. Oh, I agree with that, too. I mean, you look at how easy it was for Saeed to get him involved. And 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 Sawyer last week. It's just it's it's two very close comparisons, you know, um, of of the manipulation on Locke. And, and now that I kind of picked up on it this week, I'll be interested going forward to see how, how often that actually happens. Yeah. Um, kind of piggybacking off that a little bit too, yeah, though, great. W- with Jack and, you know, I mean, because we do see it, and, and I want to apologize because I know you said there was other elements you wanted to bring up with, with Jack, so I might touch on them a little bit. Um, Probably you know, not. But we, okay. But we do see like this crazy side of Jack, you know, come out and it is that anger and it's that, uh, you know, furiation of having the power and such. And when that power is being threatened, he kind of takes that stance. It's it's kind of like, 
you know, a wolf protecting its cub, even though with Jack, there is no cub or the room is the cub, it, it, you know, <laughs> however you want to look at it. But one of the things I noticed about this, too, is when Jack is put in that position and he becomes furious over the threat of losing his power, he becomes very gullible. I don't, and I don't want to say like Jack is too trusting because he's not. He's not too trusting of a person. He basically at this point doesn't trust anybody, but he still becomes gullible. Uh, you know, because look how easy it was for them to convince Jack to leave the room so that Saeed could lock it. I, and in that element, I think Saeed kind of played both both of them at that point. But the fact that it was very easy for Jack to be played shows how gullible he can become. Hmm. I think that his anger is is really a problem. I and and I don't know if he's really gullible as much as as much as he just he's more reactionary than than anything else. I it, it, I feel like you know, he gets mad and he was willing to see what would happen at the end of the countdown of the hatch uh to get what he wanted. And that was a really scary game that he played. Um and it was all because he wanted to as- assert some dominance over the over the situation. And I, I I don't know that I picked up gullible from him, but I do see what you mean by he was very trusting of, you know, the fact that he thought you know Henry Gale might just be a guy from Minnesota. Why shouldn't we believe that? Well, fucker, many reasons. Where do you want like a pie chart, a Venn diagram? Do you want a dry erase board? Like, what do you want? We got like 20 reasons why this could not be a, a guy that he says who he is. And he's he's very, you're right, he is very susceptible to believing that new guy is, is okay. But on the same token, he's willing to burn down the hatch and possibly the island to have to get a win over Locke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um I mean, yeah, I mean, when I say, like, Jack is gullible, too, like, I, I wasn't even factoring in everything with, with Henry Gale yet at this point. Oh, okay. Um, I, I was more talking about, like, how they, they're they treating his wound and they get him into the room and, you know, Saeed or Locke says to him, you know, why don't you grab a cot and get him out, you know, so that we, so he has something to lay on. Jack leaves the room to get the cot and they use it as an opportunity to close the door and lock Jack out. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I said it right. Okay, it sounded weird for me when I said that. It sounded like uh-huh. I said it wrong. Uh, you know, to lock Jack out of the room. Locke knew full well that was what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, it, you know, Locke fell into, it fell into it too, even though he was aware of it. But that was them kind of playing on Jack's sensibilities a little bit and him, fall, you know, again, falling into the gullibility that they were able to get him to walk out of the room using his medical stature to kind of get him to do it. They were kind of playing on that to get him to leave the room. That's more what I was saying about the gullibility of, of Jack. Yeah. And you know, it probably wasn't even, it probably wasn't even uh, him being gullible as much as it was. Jack felt comfortable with that decision because he thought he knew the lot that he knew the combination and that he would be able to have some control over that situation when really he didn't. So, you know, they played him very well. Yeah. In that situation. Oh, yeah. They played him. They played him incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So what what was your first point? Well, that was it. I was piggybacking oh. off of yours with the, you know, playing off of Jack's gullibility and right. how Jack can yeah. kind of be a little Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, staying with Jack for, for a second then, yeah. um, one thing that I noticed, and, and this goes directly to, you know, him and his sense of needing control in this situation, is how angry he got when he was locked out of the armory and... He played it as, you know, we don't know what's going on with that guy. We don't know what, you know, Saeed is doing to that guy. And he could be just fine and blah, blah, blah. And, like, he was so overly angry about Saeed potentially torturing this this uh, strange man that I, I think we were, I don't know if it, it was the writers forgetting this or it was definitely Jack forgetting this, but, you know, Jack, put Saeed to Jack Jack told Saeed to um, torture Sawyer in season one and had no problems with that yeah that you know what I didn't even really think about that I, I kind of forgot about that so I mean because he had control over that situation I, I mean so now we can add hypocrite to to the list of of things that Jack currently is right now well I'm just saying it's you know if Jack wants it then he's fine with it he wanted the medication he for the asthma that that Sawyer wouldn't let go of. He wanted it, and he was willing to go to any lengths to do it. And he had no guilt over that. He wanted to get inside that armory, so he played the situation as Saeed's a torturer, and we shouldn't allow this to happen uh, as a way of trying to get what he wanted. So he it, he's actually he's he doesn't really seem to have any um, morals at this point. It's just basically, how do I get what I want um, the quickest and dirtiest way I know how? I mean, you know, I I, I just, I, I need him to become more likable. I really do, because I know he's in this show for, for the long haul. And there was a point where I was totally on his side. But the more I analyze it, the more I look at it, the more I remember, you know, remember past things that happened versus you know, what's happening now, it just doesn't paint a very pretty picture of this character. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to the times that he starts to turn it around a little bit and starts to think about others. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're right, with, you know, with, with all of that. And, you know, just to kind of add a little bit more to that, too, he's also the kind of person uh, you're mentioning, you know, with Saeed, with having Saeed torture Sawyer and, you know, rummaging through for the medicine and everything. He is OK with something not being right or doing something wrong as long as it benefits him. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just uh, that's not a it's not a good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of, yeah, it, you're right. I mean, it's so weird to think about the fact that, you know, probably the first couple times we watched through these series, we were always a fan of Jack. And now when you sit down and you analyze everything about his character, he's just at this current time in the series, he's not that great of a person. Right. He's almost the villain of the group. In in some ways. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't go so far as to call him a villain, but he's definitely um, a problem. <laughs> I mean, you, well, I mean, if you if you look at it, in, in the truest sense of the form, if you look at Jack and Locke, I mean, they basically are the yin and the yang of this group for the moment. I yeah. mean, they are 
light with a little bit of darkness. One is light with a little bit of darkness and the other one is darkness with a little bit of light. And I think mm -hmm. if you look at the two of them right now and you compare and you had to fit one of the two of them in those positions, I think Locke falls more into the light with a little bit of dark than Jack does. I, I think it's the I think Jack is the one that falls under the dark with a little bit of light because I think deep down his intentions are possibly good. He's just going about things the entire wrong way of doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree. So, so I, I yeah, they are the yin and the yang of this group right now. And you're right. Maybe villain is not the proper word to use because he's not. I mean, he's he's still doing things to help benefit the group. He's not against everyone. He's just mm -hmm. against Locke mm -hmm. at this point. And and Kate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of angst against Kate as well. So, but yeah, that's, oh God, that's just going to get even more complicated <laughs> as time, as time <laughs> goes know, on. Real soon. Yeah. Um, so what is your... Uh, next point. I want to kind of break away from from the whole Jack and, and Locke dynamic for a little bit. Yeah, sure. Um, and I want to I want to bring up Sawyer in this one because Sawyer has had the worst luck with animals in this series. Um, <laughs> he was the person that the polar bear was charging after. Uh, he had issues with a boar coming through his tent and, you know, and, and attacking him early on. Uh, he was, you know, almost shark bait for a while. And, <laughs> and now he's being tortured by a tree frog. Um, <laughs> and like he he does. He just has the worst luck with animals when it comes to this series. Animals sense evil. <laughs> that's true. That's very, very true. Um, you know, almost to the point where it's it's very odd that. You know, what we're going to see coming into season three is he's tortured by animals, but he almost becomes one in the fact that there is a point where he's actually locked in a cage. Right. You know, so it's an interesting dynamic between Sawyer and animals. And it's it's kind of weird and downright creepy that, you know, there's an element of there's a moment in this series where you can compare Sawyer to Lenny from In Mice and Men. You know, Ugh. with Lenny with the rat and like coddling the rat so much that he kills him. We see Sawyer flat out crush a frog in his hand. You know, I forgot that he did that. And I was oh, I didn't. pretty horrified. Yeah, I didn't forget about that at all. Yeah, I, I remembered I that that was coming. Blocked that out of my memory because I was just horrified. I felt like Hurley. I was like, what did you just do? Do well. The sad part about that whole situation too is that you can tell in Hurley's face, Hurley knows it's coming. Like he knows the kind of person that Sawyer is. He knows that mm -hmm. Sawyer is being c tortured by this frog, and when he has this frog in his hand, Hurley senses this. He knows this is coming, which is why he tries. He's like, you know, why don't I take the frog about two beaches over? Maybe he'll meet a nice female tree frog. You know, it's. Hurley's trying to save, you know, to Hurley's testament, he's trying to save the life of this poor little tree frog. And that, that he, was doing nothing wrong. He was just being a frog. Yeah. And, but, you know, unfortunately, Hurley can't do it. And we see Sawyer just crush this frog in his hand. And it's, it's one of those moments, like, it's one thing to crush the frog in its hand, in his hand. But to then turn and put it in Hurley's, like that's a step too far. 
Like, this guy literally just helped you find this frog. Granted, you had material over him in that Hurley was hoarding food. Uh, you know, so Sawyer kind of had had um, ammunition against Hurley. But still, to, to do that to Hurley, of all people, mm-hmm. like, that, that just wasn't right. It wasn't right, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Well, I mean, that whole scene was terrible. Uh, that whole side story was terrible. I hated it. It was it was just, you know, it was just in case you didn't fully hate Sawyer at the end of last episode, in case we made him too human, we're going to make him an animal killer in this episode, just so you really hate him going forward. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and you know, to, to kind of continue with this a little bit more, too, there were two elements when it came to Hurley about this whole side story that I there was one element that I liked and there was another one that I didn't. Um, I loved the fact that Hurley stood up to Sawyer. You know, he's he's like, OK, I get it. I'm fat. You know, let's all pick on the fat guy. You know, at least people like me, which it was a great moment for Hurley. The fact that, you know, he stood up to him and we kind of see a switch flip in Sawyer, you know, and like, uh, OK, like you called my bluff. I'm a bad person. You called my bluff. Can you please just help me? You know, Mm -hmm. we saw a softer side of Sawyer in that moment. But the other thing I didn't, but the one thing I didn't like about this side story was, did you really have to make Hurley a hoarder? I mean, because like, that's the only time this plays out is when you have that. And I feel like the writers did that simply to give Sawyer something to hold over Hurley. I really um, felt physically ill watching him with that tub of ranch because yeah because his character has come so far like the whole part of you know he had an opportunity to keep food for himself but the fact that you know when they found the fruit the food in the hatch it was Hurley's decision to divvy it out amongst everybody like that was such a great character development that you did for him so the fact that you kind of made him take two steps back and making him somebody who's hoarding this food for himself I I I, I kind of didn't like that. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I agree. I think that that was that was um, definitely. Yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. Because that it was I, yucky. I, yeah, I don't think like that, that tub of ranch. I don't think that ever comes into play again. The fact that he's hoarding food. I feel like they simply did that just to give Sawyer something to hold over Hurley. And yeah. I, I just didn't like the fact that they did that. I guess it also, it, it's a way for the writers to explain while well, Hurley never loses weight, maybe. Maybe. Or he just doesn't have a metabolism. I don't know. Yeah. I would think that all that walking and, you know, not a lot of access to um, food other than, you know, fish, boar, fruit, you know, that, that kind of diet, you're going to shed a ton of weight. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. I agree with you, though. Um, what about you? What's something else that you wanted to talk about for the episode? Um, so there was kind of a theme of of being used in this episode. Um, you know, the especially when you look at Saeed's backstory. Uh, you know, Saeed was, was a character that just did his job. Right. I mean, he was in the army. He did as he was told. He was in the intelligence um, unit, as we learned. And then they're captured. And the U.S. 
finds out that he speaks English uh, really well. And so they use him as a translator. Then they decide that they're going to use him as a torturer. And he's never done that before. And they're very unapologetic about it. You know, they they leave uh, Saeed at the end of this episode. They just kind of leave him on the side of the road. Here's some bus fare back to Ramadi. And, you know, that was it. They all went away. And you could see the burning in the background. Like, where was he supposed to go? But they were done with him. So they threw him on the side of the road like garbage. Yeah. You know, Saeed, Saeed kind of uses Locke to gain his own agenda. Um, Danielle uses Saeed. To gain to find out about who this man is, um, what else do I have? Sawyer uses Hurley to find this tree frog so he could kill it. Um, so, you know, there was just kind of this. There was kind of this running theme. I I, I don't even know if it was a theme, but there was just this, um, you know, feeling this over overarching feeling that it was just kind of a low down dirty type of episode and maybe that was a way of introducing this new character by and i'm sure that you know you're gonna um expand on that in a minute but you know introducing this new character with everybody else kind of being schemy and using each other and being kind of backstabby and this uh you know backstory about being kind of terrible to Saeed and and leaving him like garbage and all this other stuff. I think that that was kind of a hint that maybe this new character was not going to be the character that he was presenting himself to be. That's, that's an interesting point because I think another way to look at that too, uh, you know, or to basically just talk a little bit more about the point you were making is that it's almost as if, like the writers have been leading us to believe like, okay, there's elements of mistrust. People aren't who they seem. Mm -hmm. And then we're introduced to Henry Gale. And it's almost the way it's almost a way of the writer saying, if you think it's bad now with these guys, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. That's a great way to say it in less words than what I just (laughs) like tried to get through. (laughs) (laughs) Like you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, like here, does. here's somebody, here's Much somebody, more succinct. <laughs> yeah, here's somebody else that we're going to introduce you to where if you think they're bad, oh, just you wait, mm-hmm. you know, because whereas, you know, with Saeed and Locke and, you know, these guys playing off of each other's mistrust it, it, with everything going, you know, these guys are all playing off each other's mistrust. But in the meantime, Henry is the one person who's playing off of everybody's mistrust. Who we should all probably keep our eye on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Like, we're not paying attention to to him. Mm -hmm. And we really should be. Yeah, did you notice uh, that the pliers stayed in the armory? I know I wasn't paying attention to that. But does that come into play later? I can't remember. I can't remember either, but I did notice that the pliers stayed in the armory. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, man, it's... It's it was so dynamic because like I I forgot, because again it's been a while since I've watched this series so I, I love the fact that there's things that I that we forget when we when we start talking about this, yeah and you know watching this episode as much as I love Ben Linus as a character, I kind of forgot Henry Gale. Well, he's Henry Gale at this point, but I <laughs> I forgot about the Henry Gale 
aspect of his character. And until I rewatched this episode, I truly forgot how swarmy yet convincing he really is. Mm-hmm. Because I remember watching this episode and really not knowing if I could trust him or not. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time watching this series. Uh, you know, and I, 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 part of me wanted to trust him and believe he was just another person out there. Like, but, but part of me was like, no, Saeed's probably right. He's not like, I didn't know what way to go with watching him. And as much as I know Henry Gale is Ben Linus now after watching this series, there's still a part of me deep down that is like, I want to believe him. No, no, not I. No, no, not not me. But I remember that the first time I watched it, I could not, I could not figure it out. And I gotta tell you, you spend the whole series kind of figuring it out. I mean, he's very convincing both ways. Well, I mean, and, and you know, again, not to go too spoiler with everything, but he is a character that by the end of this series develops. I don't even want to call it an arc because it's not. It's he's his is more like a wave pattern you know that is such a good (laughs) way to describe it he is a wave pattern because with a character arc you know like he starts at a low and you know he hits a high and he comes back around but you know with with ben aka henry like he has highs he has lows he comes back up he comes back down like he he doesn't develop a character arc he develops Mm -hmm. a character wave pattern (laughs) <laughs> and uh, you know there are times that you hate him and there are times that you love him there are times that you 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 hope he dies there are times that you you feel sorry for him like it's it's such a complicated relationship with this character which is one of the reasons why by the end of this series he's one of my favorites he's a very uh ig- ig- enigmatic ig- Nig- yeah <laughs> I know I'm stuck. Uh, I'm totally stuck. <laughs> I think enigmatic is 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 the word. I can't say it, but you know what I'm I saying. know what you're trying to say. Yeah, he's an enigma. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. There's there's a better way to say it. My goodness, I got stuck. I'm like it 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 has <laughs> <laughs> been it's been a long week, guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, and by the end of it, I'm I'm not going to go into you know, the, the series finale, but you know, his role in the series finale at the very end of the series finale, I thought was extremely fitting to his character. Um, you know, I think he's, he's got one of the most complex histories of a character of any character in this series. Uh, you know, the wave pattern rather than the arc. And by the end, the ending of his character is, is fantastic. You know, how his character story wraps is great. And that's why like, I was so excited that we finally got introduced to him in this episode. And we've merely scratched the surface of his character in this episode. You really haven't even met his character yet. No, yeah, not at all. You got like a little pinky nail version of him. So, and it's- But I do think it, it it's very interesting that it was a very kind of smarmy, nothing is what it seems, everybody isn't who they think that, that you are kind of uh, feeling throughout the episode as this new character is introduced. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's it's fun to watch, too, um, you know, as, as you're watching this episode to think and keep in the, keep the thought in the back of your mind. I know we've mentioned this before, too, that 
he was initially only supposed to be Henry Gale in this. He was never supposed to become Ben Linus. He was set for, I think, I either three or five episodes of this series. He was simply supposed to be an other that they trapped who was convincing them of, you know, who he was, that he was a survivor of a, of a balloon crash, and that he was he was literally just supposed to come in, cause some turmoil and turning these guys against each other, and then go back to the collective. He was never supposed to become the character that he does. But when, I'm glad that they changed their mind. I am too, because when you watch the acting that he does, he's just fantastic at playing these kind of characters. Mm-hmm, I agree. And it just plays off so well. And he does it so well that anything else that he's in, you know, after this, people are like, oh, he's going to be a dick. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Like, the next show that he did after this was Person of Interest. and I, I'm, That's right! I watched it purely for him. Um, like, you know, Henry Caviezel is a great actor and, and he was really good at person of interest, but I, I, I started watching person of interest and I never finished it, but I started watching purely for Michael Emerson and he, he does come across. And the weird thing about person of interest is that he comes across when you first meet him as a Ben Linus kind of character, <laughs> but you find out that he has some redeeming qualities, you know, mm -hmm. as, as you're watching the series, it's almost like the total reverse of mm -hmm. this you find out you know in in lost we're meeting him and he's this survivor he's been fighting to survive he just lost his wife he, you know and he crashed on the island and then you find out he's got some bad qualities to him person of interest was kind of reverse he seems like an evil person when you first meet him but he's got some redeeming qualities so but he is just he's one of those characters he's one of those character actors that just every time i see him i'm engaged and I want to see what he's going to bring to any character that he's going to play. And it was because of Lost that I I've became a fan of Michael Emerson. Oh, that's so cool. So, um, what about, what's something else about you? Oh, no, I think that was yours, wasn't it? I think we just piggybacked off of it. Yeah. A little bit. Um, I want to... I, I want to talk about a theme that I kind of noticed, and I didn't notice it my first in my first watch of this. I noticed it in my notes watch, and you know we've talked a little bit about overarching themes in the backgrounds, in the backstories of some of these characters. Like we talked about characters with father issues, uh, you know, with daddy issues and things like that. But I noticed another one, and I'm very curious if you think I'm crazy or if it's something maybe you've seen before too. You're most likely crazy, but I but we're, let's go for it anyway. <laughs> but that also doesn't mean you won't disagree with me. Exactly. Um, Let me go find my tinfoil hat. <laughs> I'm calling this one uh, under bad management. <laughs> and I'm seeing an overarching theme in that a lot of these characters, that seems to be something that is a commonplace. Um you look at Saeed in this episode, and his manager would technically be his superior officer. His superior Tyreek. 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 Oh yeah, it's Tariq, not Tyreek. Uh Tariq is a bad manager. Like he is literally telling Saeed to kill himself so that you can die with what little honor you have left. He's giving him an order that Saeed just can't can't follow. You look at the Hurley backstory, look at his manager at the chicken shack. His manager was a horrible manager, you know, firing him for now granted Hurley was stealing chicken, but 
he was just a, a horrible manager. You look at Jack. His father was his manager. His father was, you know, a, a, a veteran doctor and put a lot of pressure on him. You look at Sawyer. Sawyer's manager technically was that guy that we met last week who was telling him to put the con on the girl that he was seeing. Mm -hmm. um, you look at Locke at the box company. He had mm. a horrible manager. These guys, these characters, Anna Lucia, her mother was her superior officer, you know, who put a lot of pressure on her. Like, these characters are people who in their previous lives before the island have been under bad management. <laughs> and I think it could be a driving force of their character. Work sucks. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Blink-182 coming into this podcast is not a bad thing. Um, am, I, am I wrong in this observation, or do you think it is, this is something that's potentially there? No, I think that, that, I think that, you, that, that definitely tracks. That absolutely tracks. Um, I think that a lot of these characters, I mean, even if they weren't under bad management, they had horrible family members, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, it seems that they all were these, you know, I mean, you could even say that as much as, you know, this show is about being lost on this island, all these characters that came to this island, they they themselves were lost, you know? I mean, every character that you were talking about, they couldn't find their foot footing in the world that they were in, in, in the situation that they were in. Um, and you could even extend that further into each of the characters a little bit more if you were to really look at the rest of the survivors that we've been introduced to with Charlie. I mean, Charlie, the head of Charlie's band was his, be was his stupid brother that sold his piano and left. And, and was the reason why he was even addicted to drugs in the first place, you know? Yeah. So that's that's terrible. Mismanagement. Uh, misman yeah, exactly. You know, Kate's mother was horrible. Um so yeah, I mean I, I, I see what you're talking about. It, it maybe it wasn't even a manager as much as it what as much as it's the the leading force in their lives at that moment was pretty terrible yeah. and maybe that's the thing you take all these people that are a little lost in their lives and you finagle a way to get them on this plane and drop them on the island yeah i mean yeah i think it's it's the one thing that drew all these people together to to be part of this collective that they are mm -hmm. uh, that's know, a really it, good point you know it's 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 the driving force it, you know jacob's reasoning for bringing these people to this island is because they're broken mm-hmm and yeah, I mean, you look, Mr. Echo, Mr. Echo was, <laughs> he had his own problems. <laughs> well, Echo, in a sense, wasn't under bad leadership. He was the bad leadership to a degree. He was because he was, he saved his brother initially. So then he did what he had to do to survive. And then his brother turned on him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, again, it was just something that I kind of, kind of clicked with me a little bit when I was, uh watching this the second time around yeah that's an interesting observation i like that so um what about you what's something else oh well the last thing that i have to talk about is proof that ben is a liar okay <laughs> all right not me not ben it's henry gale there you go <laughs> proof that henry gale is a liar so when you listen to the story that he uh, that saeed is coaxing out of him in the armory which was a fantastic 
scene, by the way, just stellar scene. Um, probably my favorite in the entire series uh, is is Saeed's speech about uh, burying a loved one. But ben, uh, Henry Gale gives his story about how long he's been at the island, where they were staying, his wife getting sick, burying his wife, being in a balloon, staying on the beach. Uh, okay, so it's been four months on the island, and you never saw the plane crash, Henry Gale? You didn't see fly Oceanic Flight 815 fly and crash since you wanted to stay close to the beach to look for flyovers, as you said? And that happened maybe 50 days ago, which is almost, almost two months ago, so halfway into your stay looking for looking for flyovers, you didn't see a plane crash and go investigate to see if anybody had survived? How about the fact that when your wife got sick, if you knew about the plane crash, maybe you could have gone and looked for help. And then let's talk about the fact that everybody that's crashed on the island has had an experience with the others, a negative experience with the others, but you didn't even know what they were talking about when they heard, when he heard Locke and Jack and Saeed talking about him possibly being an other or a native to the island. He looked confused about that. So there was all of that. And then, to me, the biggest tell was everything that Saeed said about the fact that, you know, he had no details to remember about the burial of his wife. And I think that Saeed made a, made a very good case for why exactly he should have known um, about losing his wife, burying his wife, and and saying goodbye to his wife. You know, he knew all of the details of the balloon. He could tell you all about the balloon. Um, but other than that, he had nothing on what was, you know, what he was projecting to be the biggest uh, tragedy that had befallen him since landing on that island. What do you think about that? No, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of inconsistencies to his story that I... I've Maybe it was just the whole fresh situation that kept maybe Saeed from, you know, from realizing a lot of these things. And, you know, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So maybe they didn't really think it, he didn't really think it completely through. But, you know, to, to touch a little bit more on Saeed and, you know, talking about like the burial of his wife. I agree with you. That is such a hugely powerful scene because... One, it's his way of kind of calling out Henry on on his bullshit. Um, but at the same time, we're finally getting Saeed facing his own emotions. Mm-hmm. Like he has shut down since Shannon died, since Shannon was killed. And mm-hmm. we're seeing him finally confront how he feels about everything. And he's using he's using a real life or at least a story that henry is feeding him as real life situation to reflect on everything and i think that's one of the reasons had had henry's story not involved a wife had it just been him on that island and had him been surviving i think the outcome of everything would have been completely different because Saeed still would have been enclosed in. He wouldn't have confronted these feelings he has on the loss of Shannon, meaning Henry would not have had the shit beaten out of him at the end of that conversation. Mm. I I think the reason why that happened was because Saeed finally broke. So I think had there not been a wife in Henry's story, it could have been completely different. But I also think in the brilliance of Ben Linus, 
I think he knew about what happened to Shannon. I think he totally played Saeed on that. Mm. I think because remember we talked about how the whispers. Well, if he played Saeed on that, it backfired on him. I don't think it did. I think this he's a guy who was willing to get shot in the shot in the shoulder by an arrow in order to get to the hatch. I think he was willing to take that beating because that's the kind of person that he is. Remember, Ethan and Goodwin were sent to do a job. They couldn't get done. Henry, a.k.a. Ben, is the kind of person who's willing to say, just like Jack, you're not going to do the job. I'll do it myself. Whatever it takes. Hmm. I think he uh, was... Whatever it takes. Sorry. I know. The upcoming preview of what's coming. But I, I think he's the kind of person who was willing to get shot, willing to take that beating because it was going to get the job done. And we were talked about it before with the whole element of possibly the whispers that, you know, Shannon was hearing that and the, the whispers that the Taylors were hearing were kind of something that were leading these two parties together so that something would happen. Mm, yeah. Yep. You're right. So I think if that's if there's truth to that, then Ben, abs- then Henry absolutely knows that Saeed lost Shannon. He knows what happened. And I think he did this to kind of play with Saeed a little bit. Because let's not forget when Saeed is drawn... Or to earn his trust, not to play with him, but to try and earn his trust so that he could infiltrate the camp. That too. I mean, because you look at that scene when Saeed is being drug out of the armory, look at the look that Ben is giving him. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all that you could really notice is is the look. Yeah. I mean, and that's like... Saeed at that point knows. I mean, and I think Ben with everything he's through goes through between being shot being beaten uh, this was all part of his plan i i firmly believe that i think he knew what he was doing so but Hmm. but i agree with you i think that's that's a very emotional scene and it's it's one of the it's one of the most powerful scenes not just of this episode but and of this series but maybe of the season but maybe of the series yeah, I, it's it's one that has stuck with me forever since watching it. You yeah. know, I it's like one of those scenes that you can play in your head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Naveen Andrews, man. I love that guy. Yeah, I do too. Uh, That's all I have about that proof that Henry Gale was is a liar. liar. That Ben's mm-hmm. a liar. Ben's a liar. I mean, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, it also brings up the curiosity, too, is like, how the hell does he know so much? And that goes, that plays into the the whole playing of the audience as to whether or not you trust Henry at this point, is he has all these details about this balloon. Like, mm-hmm. he knows the cubic feet. He knows how much helium it takes. Like, he knows everything about this balloon. How does somebody who has been, who is an other because we don't know anything about the others yet at this point, other than they're jungle people, which they're really not. That's what just what we've been led to believe so far. Um, how do you? How does this person know so much about a balloon unless he was really in it? But we find out a little bit later exactly how he can find out everything mm-hmm. about this balloon. Right. So. Um, oh, what is non-metallic metal? I don't know. I wondered that too. <laughs> <laughs> are you digging up plastic i i don't know uh, everybody wanted to talk about the talk to me at dinner parties <laughs> <laughs> it's 
It's a really good line. <laughs> it really is. And he has a couple of them throughout the course of his character, too. Like, he has some moments that make me laugh because he's just so dry in his delivery that sometimes you just can't help but laugh at what he says. You know, but then the, uh, there are other elements of the series, too, like when Hurley, when Sawyer calls Hurley Babar that just make me burst out loud. Like, it's uh. not it's not an it's not an appropriate nickname for Hurley, to say the least, to call him an elephant. But it still makes me laugh. So do you have anything else? Um, I actually do. I have one or two other things um, that I, I can bring up. Um, you know, we talked a little bit, obviously, about Henry Gale from Minnesota. We, we I think we've. We've said what we can say about his character. I want to talk a little bit about, um, well, I mean, bef- well, let's see. Before I go into that, let's talk real quick about uh, the clock. Because we see something new when it comes to the clock this week. And that's those hieroglyphics. Uh, because we see the time run out after Crazy Jack prevents Locke from... That was insane. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always been a question as to whether or not anything is going to happen when this timer runs out. And I think we've gotten an answer to that in that we know something does something will indeed happen if if they let this clock run out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the question is what? And we're going to find out soon enough, uh, because by the end of this finale, by the end of this season, the hatch will be no more. And we're going to find out exactly why. So, yeah, that was just uh, really an in- really interesting dynamic of seeing how the hieroglyphics turn, uh, you know, flip when it comes to the clock running out. Um, but the other thing... Wait, I- if I were Locke, I would be like, we're putting this code in forever, forever. I'm never leaving this hatch again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think... I think it's kind of out of Locke's control when it happens at the end, doesn't it? I can't, rem- I can't remember if he lets it happen or if... He's not there when it happens. I can't remember. I, uh, we'll we'll get to that point in a couple in a couple weeks. Jack was there. I know Jack was there. Locke. Uh, oh 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 oh. I see what you're saying. I don't okay, think Locke was there. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So we'll find out. Um, but the last thing I wanted to bring up is, uh, I, I guess, kind of a theme of. And this is something we've touched on quite a bit. And this kind of goes into Saeed's backstory uh, and the flashbacks of, of Saeed's past. And it made me really have a very curious thought about the true life element of six degrees of separation in life. Um, because we're seeing these characters interact with each other. Obviously, we see um, Kate's father or stepfather, rather, as we find out, uh, in... As part of Saeed's flashback, he is one of the soldiers that is dealing with Saeed. He's holding a picture of Kate at one point, uh, you know, as a, as a young girl, mm-hmm. um, you know. So we're getting tie-ins and we're seeing how their lives are tied together, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and how are they are connected. But one of the things that made me realize about like six degrees of separation in real life is we get introduced to another character this episode. And that's Kelvin. Yeah. Um. Kelvin does come into play later. Uh, we find out, and again, this is spoilers looking ahead a couple episodes, but we find out that when we met Desmond in the hatch, Desmond had a partner. That partner was Kelvin. And I think he even mentioned Kelvin's name at one point as well. Mm-hmm. We've heard Kelvin's yeah. name, but now we're meeting Kelvin. Um, although I don't think we know that that is Kelvin. 
yet. I don't think his name was ever mentioned in this episode. Mm -mm. But Kelvin and Saeed have interacted. So they've tied their past together. But when it comes to being on the island, they never meet because Kelvin's already dead by that point. Um, but it made me realize how closely knit people's lives can be. That even though Saeed and Kelvin have met in the past, they still come incredibly close to each other in the present. And it made me really wonder how often do our lives interact with people that we may not even realize. Is that a little bit of a too deep of a conversation? Not at all. Not at all. I mean, that that I mean, that happens all the time, you know, especially like in the community that that I live in. Um, you know, we we go to a new city every couple of years and <laughs> and everybody knows each other from something else and if they don't know you, they know where you've been or, you know, how, how long you were there, or maybe somebody that was there that you both know or something like that. So, you know, it's crazy, but you know, you live in these little pockets of life and you, you're on this earth enough and you travel enough places, you're going to eventually just be linked to people. And that's very cool. Yeah. I really, I really think in this, this episode, I, I've kind of always thought it to begin with, but you know, watching this episode, I, I really do think there is a true real life six degrees of separation. I think you can connect any two people in this world within six people or within six steps, if not less. And I think that's just an interesting dynamic to that kind of really blows your mind when you think about it. Well, that's like on Facebook. If you see people that are at, like you go to one of your um, friends you know, profiles or something like that. And it says you have a mutual friend and it's somebody that is from like the other side of the world or something like that. You're just saying to yourself, how do you know those people? Yeah. Earth, Do you know each other? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know. I just found that very interesting and it was really meeting Kelvin this episode that really made me think about it. Oh, that's cool. So it's something the series has played with for a while, but Uh it just, for some reason, for some reason, this episode, I just kind of tied it into real life. Oh, because you had two and, and you had, you know, two pretty random instances. It's funny how Kate comes into the episode, you know, this episode with that. And then last episode, it was Kate's mom that was serving Sawyer in the diner. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's, you know, and it's it's just funny how their their lives tie in together. And it's it's kind of almost as if the writer's. We're like, yeah, like these guys are probably going to are going to interact with each other. Let's just tie it into the story. Right. Well, one of the coolest ones, I think, is when Hurley buys a box company. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That's really I can't wait for that to be an episode. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I still think one of my favorite ones, too, is uh, uh, the episode with Jin and seeing Hurley winning the lottery on the television in the background. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. So that's that, that's a lot of fun. That's a fun one too. Mm-hmm. So um but I think that's going to just about wrap it up for the breakdown of the episode and the discussion on the episode. Uh we obviously want to hear what you guys thought uh, about the episode. Well, y- you've already told us about that, but we want to hear about episodes going forward. So uh we highly recommend you guys leaving us feedback as we get every week from other people and there are multiple ways that you can do that. Uh first and foremost, 
it would help if I had the agenda in front of me. Uh, but <laughs> you, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Instagram at lost revisited pod. You can email us at lost revisited pod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a message, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. Uh, that being said, we actually do have two pieces of voicemail that we're going to play this week uh, from our buddies Steve Brown and Des Combs, as they usually do leave us feedback. And you know what? I think we even have some feedback on the Facebook page this week as well. So uh, we'll read that in a couple minutes. But first, let's get through the voicemails first. Uh, we'll start with Des this week. So let's play that now. Hey, Ben. Hey, Kristen. This is Des uh, calling about the episode one of them. I have to be honest, uh, this one is a hard episode for me to sit through for more than one reason. I'll get to that later. Uh, one little Easter egg. I don't know who watched the Sons of Anarchy, but we had Theo Rossi in there in the flashbacks. And that's about the only thing interesting to me in the flashbacks. They, they are hard for me to stay awake during on this one. Uh, I just don't care for them. I know they're important to the story, but I just don't care for it. Uh, early on in the episode, when Saeed tells Anna to go back and to not tell anyone what she saw, all I can think of is that if anyone else had said that to her, she would probably just told them to screw themselves. But because of her current situation with Saeed, I think she assessed the situation and decided she should probably just do what he told her. Uh, one thing that I can't remember from later on in the series this episode, Danielle does see Henry Gale, you know, she sees what he looks like. And I can't remember when Alex is taken, if she gets a good look at him or not. If she did, I mean, she definitely would have recognized him. Just have to wait and see how that turned out. And speaking of Henry, uh, that look in his eyes when he finds out that he's about to be tortured is the first time he really you can really see a flinch in him, like maybe he doesn't know for sure if he can get through it without breaking. And the torture itself. Um, yeah, John was right about everything. There are others. This is one of the others they've got there. But they are still totally wrong in what they do. And what did they learn from it? Absolutely nothing. That's really all I've got about this episode, uh, but I do want to bring up one thing about last episode that I greatly disagree with you guys about. Uh, Sawyer and his possessions, his stash. No, that wasn't his stuff. He ransacked the fuselage. He took other people's stuff. He held it captive. You know, people's medicines were in there that they desperately needed. He had to, you know get Kate to do what he wanted before he would give Shannon her medicine. So that stuff wasn't his to begin with. He had no right to it. End of story. Okay, well, I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye. <laughs> Sometimes when he pauses, I'm like, I'm, oh, oh, I answer? And then he keeps talking, and then I realize <laughs> this is a voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. I do too. I, and 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 he did it. I, I just have to pinpoint too. He put in the email when he sent it that it was quiet. He's he's quiet because it was like two a.m. and 
the rest of the house was sleeping. So that's why he's he's kind of a little on the lower end for this one. Um, but it's interesting that he brings up a third perspective about about our debate from last week in that we're both wrong because nothing belonged to him to begin with. It's an interesting, interesting thought. He's not yes. wrong. Mm, okay. He's not wrong. But he's if, not wrong. But he's not wrong. You know, but if that, but then if that, possession is nine tenths of the law, then yeah, you know, I mean, he was just playing by Jack's rules and by Dez's rules. And but you know what though, in that same in that same element too, if that's the case, then nothing belongs to anybody there. Right. It's not so just so. If I want that blue tarp over there, I'm going to go take it and replace yeah. it with my other blue tarp that I have with uh, in in my neighborhood of blue tarps. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I love you, Des, but I, I see a flaw to that thought in that if that's the case and that none of that stuff belonged to Sawyer, then none of that stuff belongs to anybody. Uh, and, you know, it's it's all free reign. In that case, you're just going to have anarchy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I do want to touch on the, th- that, the thing that he said about Rousseau and recognizing Ben. Um I do think it's a little bit of a continuity issue with the episode because I don't remember if it's something that they address or not, as as Des mentioned, whether or not she recognizes um, Ben as taking Alex. At this point in time, the writers did not realize that that was the way they were going to go. Because let's not forget, he was not supposed to become the character that he became. So at this point in the writing, he was never meant to become Ben Linus. Mm, so that's that, a good point. So he was never meant to be the character who took Alex. That was something that they wrote later when they developed his character further. So I don't know if that's a continuity issue and something that they just never discussed. But as far as the writing goes, that was that wasn't even a thought in their minds when they wrote these characters. Right. So I don't remember if it's addressed later or not, but I just know at this point it wasn't it wasn't planned. Um, but yeah, but thanks, Des, for for the voicemail. And even if it was at 2 a.m. Thanks, Des. <laughs> uh, all right, let's switch over to the voicemail from our buddy Steve. Hello, Kristen and Ben. This is Steve, and I uh, just got finished watching one of them for the second time. Uh, such a good, good episode. Love Naveen Andrews acting in this one. It's just, just so, so very, very good. Love seeing all the connections between the characters that we see here. I mean, there's not a lot, but there's, there's a couple. Um, obviously the, the, the most, the, the biggest one is, uh, I love the line from Kate's dad where he says, the fact that you know form, what formally means, we're good. I thought was, uh, was great. And, uh, the B story or maybe the F story with, uh, Hurley and Sawyer about the frog, uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like Apocalypse Now, Hearts, Hearts of Darkness, uh, kind of thing that the trek through the jungle and then seeing one man's uh, darkness being played out in another man who's not as dark uh, experiencing that darkness I thought was was really really good I never never made that connection before and I remember watching this for the first time that I believed that Saeed was correct because I believed that scene at the end with him and Charlie on the beach where he says he felt no guilt uh, when he was torturing uh, Henry Gale. So uh, I don't think I ever really thought, it, I didn't know how they were going to work it out, that he was going to be a not trustworthy or not who he said he was. But I, I definitely liked the way 
Um, Naveen Andrews played it. I love the line where he says, I'm doing what has to be done, because that's really what Saeed's character has been about this whole series, is doing what has to be done. Uh, can't wait to hear what you guys thought. Talk to you later. Uh, I love Steve. You know, that's... I'm glad that he mentioned um, the the bit at the end with Saeed uh, saying that he had no guilt over what happened, because I thought that that was really important, that he's that it it's funny that he didn't trust Jack or Locke with that information to say, this is how I know that he's lying because you know, this was his job. His job was to know when people were lying and to get the truth out of them. So, you know, I would trust his instinct, just like you trust Jack to take care of everybody that's hurt medically. And you trust that Locke is going to get you food. Um, and you trust that Jin knows how to fish, I would trust Locke with that information. He feels no guilt over what he did. That must mean that his instincts are telling him something, and we should trust Saeed enough to know that that means something. Yeah, and it's it's. I'm glad he brought that up too, because that was a scene that we kind of forgot to talk about mm-hmm. um, you know, in the discussion of the episode. And I'm curious, though, from from your thoughts on this, because he does say... You know, I know that he's guilty because I didn't feel sorry for what I did. Um, You know, I didn't feel guilty for what I did. We see in the flashback that he does feel sorry for what he did to his superior officer in, you know, saying to Kelvin, you know, well, I will never do what I just did again. That's something that shouldn't be done to anybody. He's obviously feeling remorse for what he did. Mm-hmm. Does he at any point feel remorse for what he did to Sawyer? I don't know. You know, I I don't remember if he does or not. I don't think he wanted to do it. Maybe that's the difference. Maybe that's the difference then. Is that it was something he did he did to Sawyer because he felt he had to, not because he wanted to. But yeah. with Ben, he, with Henry, he felt the need both that he had to and he wanted to. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. that's it. That's the difference. I was just curious. So it's interesting. Yeah. But thanks, Steve, uh, for, for that voicemail. Hashtag we are Steve. Hashtag we are Steve. Oh, God. I, oh, I love the fact that we're in that now. Um, uh-huh. We do. There is a piece of voicemail to, or not voicemail. Uh, Facebook feedback, too, from uh, from Gemma Hall. And she posted on one of our posts. Uh, Poor Ben or Henry. Uh, he he just gets beaten to a pulp over and over. He really does stick to his story of being Henry Gale from Minnesota, though. It's ironic Rousseau who captures him, as he is the one uh, who took her daughter. Uh, I do love his introduction, and I think I actually believed him until they found the grave later. Uh, such a terrific actor and major character introduction. So, yeah, agree with all of those points. And mm-hmm. that element, yeah, when he finds, when Saeed finds the body a little bit later... Uh, he finds the gravesite a little bit later by the balloon. That's uh, yeah, that's that's when things start to take a really interesting turn when it comes to uh, when it comes to Henry. Stupid Henry Gale. Hey, I like Henry. No, I like Ben Linus. Stupid Henry. Gale. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Gemma. I pre- uh, Gemma is a really great feedback person of uh, House Podcast. I was just going to say, I think she even left you guys um, feedback this week for episode one of season eight. Yeah, the past two weeks she left a voicemail and she's just cute as a little button. So I'm <laughs> I'm happy to have her leave feedback for this one as well. Yep. It's nice to see a familiar face. 
and you know what on that note too it's fun it, it's nice to see that Gemma is is a fan of more than one podcast both you know uh, of of Podcastica and and Next Level as we encourage all of you guys to be uh, as well you know just like Gemma you can check out some of the other podcasts on you know both Next Level and Podcastica and if you're I know we've we've mentioned it time and time again but I have to even more this week God House Podcastica is very important right now. Finally, we're relevant. Because, (laughs) well, you've been relevant, but you're more relevant now because Game of Thrones has returned. And it's, what a season premiere, man. Yeah, if you're not into Game of Thrones, you can. uh, Dave and I were trying to do the math earlier today. You can get through the entire series by the finale if you really want to. (laughs) If you pushed it, you, you could. Um, I had a friend of mine post on Facebook. He's like, all the hype about this final season of Game of Thrones. I'm thinking about starting it. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, it, you need to either do it now and push or you just got to wait till the series is over. It's 68 hours of television. 68 well, let's hours. say it's 70 hours of television. So if you treated it like a full time job for the next two weeks, you could do it. 70 hours of great television. Yeah. Oh, well, you'll I mean, it'll be after two weeks. If you were to really like push it, I would say that your psyche would be changed forever. (laughs) You would become a totally different person. Because during the Ramsey Bolton uh, era of the rewatch podcast, I was I was borderline depressed. (laughs) That was hard to to get through in such a condensed amount of time because we were doing two episodes a week at that time. It was like all Ramsey Bolton all the time. And I was just like, I can't do this it's so hard. <laughs> yeah, there's some rough moments when you're uh, when you're going through and you're watching. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic it. show. And the season premiere was amazing. And I just uh, I can't wait for the next five weeks. It's going to be really exciting. I can't wait, but it's going to be bittersweet when it ends. Can't wait. Then I can rewatch the whole thing with all new eyes. There you go. Season series rewatch again. No, this one will be just for me. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back and rewatch like the last season Thank with the you. full picture and there you do go. it like that. Yeah. I know um nothing nothing big will have come between this week and next week, but between next week and the following week, uh Avengers will have released. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait. Panels to Pixels is going to do a roundtable discussion of that. I th- yeah, I think they're. I think they have a couple roundtables coming up. They just did one. I'm sh- going to be on their end game. Oh, good for you! I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous of you on that. I one. wanted in on Captain Marvel, so. Oh, why didn't you do I'm Captain ex- Marvel then? I couldn't find the time. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. With everything you had with the series rewatch of Game of Thrones, yeah, your time yeah. was kind of limited. But um, yeah, and Endgame should be really, really fun. And I was very honored to be asked. Yeah, so thank I'm, you, Steve and Mark. I'm jealous of you now because that's that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, um, fun. yeah, because I got to do the Captain Marvel one, so I'm glad you're I'm glad you're getting to do the Endgame one, which is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. So I know they just did yeah they just did a review of Shazam. I think they have a review of Hellboy coming up um, as well, and then yeah, Endgame shortly after that happens, in which I have tickets for opening night. I can't wait. We live in a really shitty, like, beach town. Not shitty, but, like, we... Okay, let me redo that. (laughs) We live in a teeny tiny little beach town with a shitty theater that's, you know, like, real old school, like, 
it's not stadium seating. You buy your tickets with your popcorn. You can't buy in advance. So we're just going to go and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> or else we have to drive, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to one of those really good big theaters. Well. Such a bummer. But at least you'll get to see it. Yeah, um, man. I don't care. I, I'll sit on the floor. I kind of like, I, there's 22 movies and I kind of want to try and see how many of them I can get through before uh, Endgame starts. I don't know if I'll be able to because you're talking like 50 plus hours of, of viewing. Um, it's a lot to get through, but mm-hmm. I'm going to try. I don't know if I'll be able to do it. Try. We'll Why see. not? Uh, I'm just curious where the universe is going to go once Endgame ends. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, that's just about going to wrap it up for this week's episode, unless you have any final notes. Nope. Simple enough. <laughs> a, a woman of short answers. I'm real hungry. To the point. <laughs> I'm getting there, too. I'm getting there, too. Uh, all right, cool. So with that being said, then, thank you again for being a part of this family and for listening to both Next Level and Podcasting and Podcast Networks. Uh, thank you for commenting, leaving feedback when you do. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you guys down that rabbit hole. See ya. Hashtag we are Steve. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!